This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. I stopped reading a ton of books and said, let me read these books and make it become my mindset. Very self-serving books, but what they teach you is that life is a game. Like, is wherever you are, you've got to be thinking like chess. It really depends on how far back we want to go. Like, that conversation we just had. Let's go there, man, because I think, like... For our audience, man, it would be interesting to hear how you've transitioned from where you started to where you are. Yeah, for sure. So um, I suppose the best place to start would be back when I was originally in the fitness industry. So how they came about, fitness has always been a part of my life. Fitness has been an anchor for me as much as it is for many other people. Like in a sense that it's, you know, it's just something whenever, when all else fails, you can always fall back on your training. So it was an anchor point for me. Uh, many years ago, it's almost 10 years ago now, come to think of it. Yeah, 10 years ago, almost to the day. I uh, went through, I just had a couple health problems and that forced me to kind of get back in, start from square one and get back in. Now, when I was um, getting back in, on the suggestion of a friend, a friend recommended that I start a Facebook page. Facebook pages were just starting, everything was going. Mm. Um, and then what happened is I had a really small page, just nothing, close friends and family. Made a post, interestingly enough, and this is my first experience with things going viral, made a post uh, about bullying in the gym. And I was just like, I'd experienced bullying. I said, it's really unnecessary. We shouldn't be doing that stuff. Don't do it. It's really stupid. Got about 10 to 15 likes, which was insane for me. I was like, oh, wow, that's a bit weird. And then I, and overnight, I woke up in the morning, 10,000 likes, 30,000 shares. All of a sudden, my page went from like 300 people following to 10, 10 11,000 overnight. And Back I was like, then, wow. that would have been huge. Yeah. Back then, that would have been nuts. Yeah, it was when those times when the algorithm wasn't as tight as, as it is now. So you could literally post something and it would just go viral. Mm. So that happened. And what I found myself, I just found myself with an all different career path. You know, I was at a crossroads in terms of what I wanted to do. Again, like I said, go back to that fitness. That's the only anchor that I had. And it became a part of my life. Uh, I started doing the online coaching. So way back in the day, I think I was like one of the, the th- third or fourth people at the time that was doing it. Um, one of the guys that I know, a, a good friend of mine who's still in the fitness industry, I think he can credit himself as being the first ever person, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, Joseph Rakic, uh, good friends with him, but anyways, he started it. So I went down that path. Um, then it got quite interesting. I got to a, a point in the fitness industry where I was stagnating, and the reason why I was stagnating is, I mean, I don't like to get into it greatly, but there's a certain, I don't know how PC we need to be in this. No, bro. Okay, cool. There's a certain layer of bullshit, you know, that's in the industry. And I resented it a lot. And Hey, don't worry. We still resent that. (laughs) Yeah. But I think the thing that that was started to give me is because people stopped giving me opportunities. Like I said to you, I I had an opportunity with Shreds, which was a huge company back in the day. But I didn't like the way that they were going about things, so I let that go. EHP Labs at the same time, one of my friends who was their recruiter was trying to get me on board. But I just didn't like the late. What's that? Sorry, bro. Just pull that away a little bit. Yeah. I just uh, didn't like the layer of bullshit to it. Yeah. And I was very vocal about it. And what happened is that started causing stagnation in my growth. And all of a sudden, I started getting less clients. And it started not paying, paying the bills, basically. And then... Uh, I was, at a, I was at a crossroads with it because I was like, what do I do? This isn't becoming fulfilling anymore. I'm starting to look at everything negatively. I've got to figure out what, I, what I'm going to do because this is just not doing it for me. And that's when I started going back to basics, trying to figure out what am I good at? You know, like what was the foundations of just me as a person in terms of my skills? And I've always been good at maths was the first thing. 
I knew I was really, really good at maths um, and selling. You know, I used to work in real estate a very long time ago. Selling's just always been a big, a big part of me. So I decided to take the plunge and just get rid of all my social media. So I got rid of all my Facebook, all my Instagram, took the dive. You know, I was like, if I'm going to do this, I need to just go in the deep end or I'm not going to do it. And then so I deleted everything, cleared it so I couldn't get it all back. And then I was forced to actually pursue this career that I wanted. That's such a big thing, man. Like, uh, I mean, because it's your identity, bro. Like, I mean, and that's the biggest thing with social media is like, you build something over a long, a long period of time and then all of a sudden that becomes you, yeah? And, like, that's such a bullshit thing, right? Yeah. Like, it's like, that's, like, and, and as much as, like, because it's, like, the reality is, is it's, it's social media is a perception, right? Like, you know, it's, it's, like, how many people do we know that we look at their social media and we're like, that guy's a fucking dick, mm-hmm. right? And then you meet him and he's actually okay, Yeah. right? And it's, like, you know, and I think that's kind of, like, but also from the other side of it, right, with business, you know, and, and like money and all these kind of things. Like it's it would be such a hard thing to do to put yourself in a position where the thing that was bringing in the dollars, the thing that was, you know, keeping the fucking food on the table and everything there is all of a sudden it's like, nah, like that's it. I'm done and I'm just going to make this decision to, to, to push it to the side and go all in on this other opportunity. Yeah, well, that that was it, and I could have you couldn't have put it in a better way uh, with the, it becoming you. Because what's worse is I did at the time. I'm sure some of the people that will um, that will listen to this will know Ziz. If everyone remembers Ziz, he was the one of the original fitness personalities. Well, everybody started having a name, and my one was Swift. Now, where that came from, funnily enough, was my World of Warcraft. I'm a massive geek at heart. <laughs> used to play World of Warcraft heavily, and I used to always name my characters Swift. So. There we go, Night Elf Rogue. If anyone, if everyone plays that game, that's where Swift came from. So, and it, it compassed everywhere I went. People who knew me just called me that, and I was like, "This is awkward." You know, I was getting a bit older. I was in my twenties now. It just, like, I was like, "Still calling me is my world." Yeah, name. yeah, that's it. You know, even now when people say it, I'm like, "Man, just call me Josh." Like, you know my name. It's it's there now. Don't call me Swift anymore. So. Decided to pull trigger on it. I was barely putting food on the table at all. I was in a bad situation with the whole fitness thing. So I said, okay, forget it. Let's just cut it. Fuck it. We'll put it, just get it off the table. So I deleted everything. And then I started thinking about, I want to be in finance. I want to be investments. I want to be around trading. And I didn't really have the background to justify it. But then I, but because I didn't have this to fall back on anymore, what I said to myself was, well, what do I need to do? You know, I needed to, I asked different questions. What's the bare minimum? So I started finding out a bare minimum to actually get an interview and get my foot in the door. So I was living in Perth at the time. I had no qualifications that allowed me to get in the industry. So I was like, I had barely any money. So I said, okay, let's try this diploma of finance, financial planning, I think I did. I just Mm -hmm. did something to put it on the CV. So I did that. It was a year-long course. I did it in literally like six weeks just to get it out of the way. Got it out of the way and then just started hammering away at different um, finance brokers and everything, uh, trading brokerages and everything, just to try and get an interview. Got an interview for, this is how I ended up in Melbourne, got an interview for a company that was operating here in Melbourne. And um, I interviewed very well on the phone because I had sales skills and everything and I was going in the sales position and they were like, yeah, you interview quite well, but we can't, we we can't give you a job without meeting you in person. So, you know, COVID now, you can probably get a job without meeting, but back then you couldn't. This was in 2017. So I took the risk, caught a uh, plane over, had a family friend here, stayed with them, went and interviewed in person. I had pretty much no money at this point. 
and I got the job. They said, yeah, no, we'll give it to you. So all of a sudden uprooting from Perth and coming over here. So that's how I ended up in Melbourne. So that's basically part one of the story, you could say. So that's me transitioning. So I went from that cold, hard phase of saying, this is not working out. I'm going to have to take a dive jumping into things that I was just naturally good at, selling and good with numbers, figuring out what I needed to do to actually get to the table, which was just get something on my CV to make them show that I have some kind of interest in it, or at least some kind of qualification, and then, yeah, getting the job. So that's what pulled me to Melbourne. With, so, um, with that whole transition, man, like mm. we talk about identity and um, being the person that, I guess, used fitness as that anchor. How did you, how did you cope with that transition? Well, it was it was qu- uh, kind of funny because, like I said, that it was my anchor. It actually got taken away from me when I was in the fitness industry. Because when do you, you know when something, be- you know, when your hobby becomes your life, mm-hmm. you you can lose interest in it really, really quickly. So for me, it was um, it it was tough because it was like I had to swallow the pride. You know, deleting all the social media and everything like that. Like you said, it's your personality. You're getting rid of it. So now you've just back at square one. But um, it, it forced me to adapt, it forced me to grow, and it, it made me reclaim the fitness side as well. So it made me kind of reclaim my anchor. So because I got it back, I used trading as, a, as motivation again. You know, I was struggling to train when I was in the fitness industry, but then when I was out of it, I was able to start training again. Like I got that passion back, and that kind of drove me to just keep pushing to figure out, like I said, when everything was going wrong on the outside, so if I wasn't getting interviews or anything like that, at least I know I'd get a good training session in that day. Now that you obviously made that transition, was there any like any skill sets that you took from building that business? Albeit there was a little bit of luck involved, but you still built the business. Were there any skill sets you took then into part two of this story of the the new role that you kind of took on? Uh, there was, and it was. I guess the biggest thing for me was being able to market yourself. I think you know, just be like one of the strongest things that I found was being able to present yourself and actually put yourself out there. You know, and just be, especially in the corporate world, it's very hard to kind of get put a face. You know, get your face out there or your name. And I found that it was really easy for me because I just knew how to get people interested and in, you know, interested in things that I was talking about. Basically, that's one of them. And just I guess fitness as a whole. Um, just the consistency and discipline that you get out of it. I think if there's one thing that I could have taken away from developing the business, it was because it was around fitness, I learned how to structure and get things, actually get them done. So become what I like to call a box ticker. Like if I could put a few boxes in front of me, it became really easy to tick them because that was just a natural part of how I was pursuing my training. So those are the two main things that I took away from that. So now if we, if we fast forward, if we fast forward this journey to, I guess, you went into that industry and then you were, from from my knowledge, in and out of that industry within a two-year period, were you not? Yeah, you're talking about the finance side yeah. of things. Yeah. So that this was this is the interesting part. This is where it gets really really interesting. So <laughs> this is it's it's going to be hard to to explain in a sense that I don't obviously want to put any names to anything. So I'll try and avoid doing that. But long story short, I had a what they call a helicopter boss. I had a boss that was just constantly hounding me, looking over me, and taking control of everything that I did. And I found that I was—I went from one stagnation to another. I enjoyed it, obviously. You know, I was in the—I was fresh in the industry. I was learning. I was learning how to trade. I was learning how to provide, um, just you know, fi- financial advice in that sense in terms of trading. But I wasn't getting anywhere. I was stuck in the same position for about the first two years. And every time I tried to do something that would put me in a better position, like come up with an idea or come up with something else to do, my boss would typically take it away from me. He'd go, that's a great idea, I'd do all the work and he'd get all the acknowledgement. 
And then that's where I started That's realizing. so common, hey, though. Like, that is so common. I've heard that so many times. Like, where someone's like, you know, someone comes to that person with an idea and that person, because they're in a higher level of management, takes that idea, runs with it, and just uses that and gets all the accolades. Yeah, that's it. It, happen- it happens all the time, especially in the corporate world. It's very dog-eat-dog. You know, like, you, you, you try to have faith. For the, for the longest time, I try to have faith in my manager in terms of guiding my career. But you, you're effectively trusting someone with your life. You know, at the end of the day, when it's all, I like to think when it's all said and done, people will look out for themselves. And that's what I started noticing. Like, that's what I, when I began to start realizing that there were other aspects of work in terms of the corporate environment especially that I just wasn't emphasizing. So that's why I started learning. You can be the greatest person at your job and still not make it anywhere. You know, I think it's like a, you know how they say, you know, you've got to be the best version of yourself. Like, that's the bare minimum. That's I the bare standard. I think it's such an important point because it's like you can have, like, and I, I, I often think of this in business, right? Like, it's like, especially in what we do, it's like you, you can have the most knowledge in the world. Like, as a trainer, you know, as a, you know, in finance, whatever it is, you can have all the knowledge in the world, right? But if you're not putting yourself in, 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 uh, in rooms, right, that are going to give you an opportunity, you're not going to progress. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things. It's like everybody, you know, we, we're, we kind of get into this point where we try to acquire so much knowledge, right, and we think that that's the thing that's going to take us to that next level because everybody we follow on Instagram, right, we look at them and we go, yeah, they're, they're, they're rich because they're a genius, yeah? And it's like that's just so far from the fucking truth. Like yeah. the, the people that I know that are crushing it are the people that can fucking play chess, yeah, they're the guys and girls that are fucking playing chess with the future. They they know that by by doing a certain thing, it's going to get them into this room, and they're just really good at playing that game. And yeah, they might be smart, but that's not that's not the exact reason that's getting them into that room. It's actually more how they play the game. Well, it's to Josh's point. It's that's the yeah. If you look at again, use your example between finance or fitness. Being good at your job, it's. Not only the bare minimum, it's the fucking obligation. It's the thing you just need to do by default. It's the expectation of the industry you work in. But that does not dictate how far you move forward. Because as is the case in finance or in corporate in general, there are other people taking your opportunities every day of the week. Like, you know, you look at the competition in the fitness industry or any small business, there's a million people taking the opportunities you don't. And just because you have the idea doesn't mean shit. And you've got to be able to market yourself what you said before. Like, that's the biggest thing, right? Because it's like, if you can't market yourself, no matter how smart you are, no one's buying buying, buying what you're selling. Yeah, a million percent. And it's funny you bring up the chess analogy because I use that quite heavily because it, it's, so, it's so true. You see those people, you always see certain people that come into an industry or into, into the working force and you might have been there for two or three years and people get that expectancy that if they've been there long enough, they make that career progression, right? <laughs> they get that two or three K per year for CPI just to cover, you know, consumer price going up. Hey guys, sorry for the interruption, it's Kyle. I just wanted to jump on here and remind you guys that every single month, the podcast is going to be running a competition on behalf of Elite Vitality Business School, where we are offering you a spot into our newest course, the Diploma of Fitness Business. Now, all you have to do is take a photo of the episode that you're listening to, give myself a tag, give Reese Livingston a tag, and give Pivotal Conversations a tag, and tell us exactly what you're loving about the episode that you're listening to, or your biggest learning. And that'll go into our inbox, and then every single month we're going to be drawing a winner and giving away a spot into the next intake of the course. Back to the podcast, thanks for tuning in. 
you know, you're not really getting money because you're doing a good job. And then you see this one gun that comes in and within a year he's managing you and you're just thinking, what are they doing? They're playing the game. And that's, funnily enough, there's a book and I try not to say it out loud. It's very self-serving. You, are, you either love this book or you hate it. Um, have you ever heard of the 48 Laws of Power? Yeah. That's effectively my Bible. Like I, um, I've got four specific books that I read, How to Win Friends and Influence People, mm-hmm. The Art of Thinking Clearly, 33 Strategies of War, which is done by the same person, the same author that did 48 Laws of Power. So those mind- Robert Greene. Yeah. What I did is though that mindset encompasses my mindset. I, started, I stopped reading a ton of books and said, let me read these books and make it become my mindset. Very self-serving books, but what they teach you is that life is a game. Like is wherever you are, you've got to be thinking like chess. Five, you've got to put a piece there so that you have an option of five or six different movements that way, much in the same way you put another piece over there. And that's where I started changing my, my thinking. I went from uh, being just an employee who did a great job to being still being an employee that did a great job, but I did that to keep my manager off my back. Behind the scenes, I was looking for problems that uh, upper management were having issues with. Uh, there was a, issue, a specific issue in terms of communications between departments, and they didn't know how to fix it. So I walked away and came up with a solution. By the sa- at the same time, what I was doing was developing a relationship with the CEO, because we were still quite a, cl- a small company, so I had that opportunity, the access to the CEO. Developing that relationship so that he knew my name. And it gets real deep. Like I started doing things like CEOs, they have a really strict regime. If he was going to get a coffee, it would always be at 11 a.m. That's 100%. an opportunity to talk. If he goes to the bathroom, it's typically at 2 p.m. That's an opportunity to cross him in the hallway. I started, that's how started, you know, deep I started getting with it. Putting myself in front of him, talking with him, catching up with him. Then when I had the plan ready, my boss again was completely ignorant because he took his eye off me. Presented the plan to the CEO, promoted so and 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 i want to touch on this because it's really important and some people look at that and go that's conniving some people look at that and go you know yeah but you should you know this is like the the you know like you know doing it for the people thing man you know like that whole fucking mindset and um the reality is right is like that you still offered value in that situation yeah self-serving yes but you still offered value and i can honestly say man the reason i the reason I am in the position I am now, right? And it's, you know, it's not this big crazy position, but it's in a, it's a position is because I played the game. Yeah. Right. I knew <laughs> six months before something even happened that there was like, I knew exactly what I was doing. Yeah. There's networking, there's the, you know, travel, all of these things, right? hundred percent knew what I was doing six months before it was coming and I knew that these potentials would come. And this is like the law of attraction. Yeah, it's not really the law of attraction. It's just fucking chess. Yeah. It's game theory. It's psychology. I know every word that comes out of my mouth is going to affect my situation in about... Two, three, four months, wherever. Four hours, yeah. 10 days. This bang on, right? And it's like, you know, I went to America and I did Dude, a big I can, run. I'm gonna, sorry to cut you off, man. I can actually remember because we were working in the same gym at the time right you're like i'm going to america to and essentially the conversation the short ver- short version of it was i'm going to america to get in better rooms it was i'm going to america to meet people that will then introduce me to people that will then allow me to potentially create this business that i've got this vision for that's still 3 years away cuz i remember it clear as day man you said to me we're in the gym we're on the gym floor out the front of the pt office and you said we need to think of a way we need to think of a way to help more people and 
get in front of more people and the punchline do less work because at the time you and I were both fucking pumping sessions out of our ass. Yeah. It was just insane. And and I mean honestly man like I just went and did it and I knew that every conversation I had was going to end up in in some type of situation where I was going to be in a room with someone and when I'm in that room with someone I crush. You light it up. Yeah. And and but that, I think that's the thing like I think and I think you know I'll have conversations with people all the time. Right, and I've got some very close friends of mine. One person who has absolutely hit the opportunity of a lifetime, and the conversation was, he did something to like what you said. He met someone because he knew that person would like this thing, and and so on, and and it just eventuated. But I think it's so important, man. I think because that's the thing, a lot of people in business miss. It's not about how smart you are. It's not about how much knowledge you've got. It's about how well you can play the game. Well, let, let, I'll just play devil's advocate for a second, right? Talking about con- conniving or manipulation. What you said is correct, where you said, you know, offering value. <coughs> but where the problem would lie is if you were like, cool, I'm going to meet this guy. I'm going to create the relationship. I'm going to solve the problem. But at the end of the day, again, I'm going to be so self-serving that I'm going to dust my hands with him, the person that helped me get up the, up the run and go, you know, it was all fake. I, if I walk past you in the hallway, once you've given me what I want, I don't want to know you. That's where the problem lies. That's where people... It's yeah. an integrity thing, right? Exactly. Like integrity's... Yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. The, um, every, everyone is obsessed, especially if you look at social media now. They're obsessed with being themselves. You know, the, the narrative's constantly be yourself, be your thing. And I just basically flipped that. Like, the, for me, being myself is being myself to the people that matter to me. Mm-hmm. And that's friends and family. If uh, Friends and family, I, I am 100% myself. I am just who you see. But... When it comes to corporate environment, I'm what the environment needs me to be. You know, I am exactly what I need to be and able to progress in that environment. If you if you try and push yourself to be yourself to everyone, then that comes with repercussions. That comes with doors being closed on you. That comes with people not liking you. That comes with you potentially shutting off an opportunity because people don't agree with you. I don't. I I, I just realized at work. I was like, why would I need to do that? You know, why would I not have a conversation? The great, this is how deep I used to get. I used to write, um, and I do this in my mentoring as well, teach people how to write profiles on managers and everything to get an idea of their likes and dislikes so you can better navigate conversations with them. A uh, great example is one of our work colleagues. He loved golf. I love dr- smacking a ball at a driving range, but I hate golf. But every Feels. time, yeah, Feels. <laughs> every time I had a meeting with him, I loved golf. I knew about everything that was happening in golf, you know, and there were many times where I used that. A great scenario where I would use that is if we were having a meeting with multiple managers and going back to chess, he was king in that meeting. If I got him on board, it means that the project will likely go through. What would I do? Meeting would be at like 2 or 3 p.m. in the afternoon. I would intentionally know that he's making his coffee at this time. I'll go and go, hey, did you catch what happened to Tiger Woods in the weekend? He'd be like, yeah, no, wild, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah, blah, 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 cool go back, go on to Slack, the intercommunications, send him a, a thing about golf and go, oh, you know, I've been thinking about getting these golf clubs. What do you think? Oh, yeah, they're fantastic. By the time we get to the meeting, he's had so many positive interactions with me that it's highly likely, unless my idea is horrible, that he's just going to agree. Being the kingmaker that he is in that scenario, everyone else just falls in line. So, you know, it's self-serving, but it gets the purpose done, and I'm still trying to provide that value. At the end of the day, you've got to navigate around those egos. If I went in there without any of that preparation, I had to deal with managers have the worst egos. And I had to deal with everyone's ideas, everyone's things, just because they wanted their voice to be heard. But because I got him on board early and he said, this is a fantastic idea, 
none of them wanted to piss him off so they're like yeah fantastic we all agree as well idea goes through so that's what i mean it's just like when i'm hanging out with friends and family this stuff doesn't occur i'm myself but in the corporate environment it's so important to be what you need to be to progress i think that's an actual valuable like valuable lesson to apply to business in general i think like to, to Josh's point, people are so obsessed with being themselves and being their authentic selves or what they what they want to show um, that they potentially exclude themselves from being in rooms that potentially could grow their business. And in the, in the world of business, this is where you look at like people have personal pages and business page. Combine the two, like can your personality fit with your business? Does it actually mesh? Because oftentimes you see that people, there's a reason people separate the two. Man, if I didn't have fucking a business, I wouldn't have social media. Me either. You yes. know what I mean? Like, I, you know, I, I, I fucking hate it. Mm. Same. But I do, I do what I got to do because I know that it's going to get me in rooms and it's, that's a part of my self-actualization, you know? Like, I want to be the best, you know? And, and whatever it is that I'm doing, I want to be the best at it, right? And I think we, we're in a world, right, where you've got to walk on eggshells mm. with what you say, right? You, where you've got to, you know... You, you, like you can be put in and this is like social media amplifies this where it's like you you really do have to walk on eggshells right and i think it's like this weird fucking abstraction right where it's like <laughs> you got to be yourself but you can't be yourself mm. you know what i mean like it's like you know because everybody everybody's obsessed with saying be yourself right but you can't really be yourself right because you get fucking like fucking pitchforks you know like people running out there. And, and i think from from that perspective right i think it's like when you put like when you're in those situations i, I really love that whole uh, that whole notion that you just said where it's like be whatever you got to be to get the job done because only work on things that are a part of your fucking self-actualization yeah. yeah it's like i feel like a lot of people can sometimes put themselves in situations where they're not necessarily <laughs> working on things that truly fulfill them mm. yeah or are, are they really want to achieve you know what I mean? And it's like you're in that situation there where it's like, okay, if I really care about this and this is really where I want to go, I'm going to do what i got to do to get there. It's a pathway, man. It's like you look at like the fitness industry where people try and look at niching too early and they go, I only want to work with these people and they disregard working with all the people that potentially pay the bills and it's a stepping stone to get there. That's being the person you need to be in the, in the point of your business, aka being the person in the, in the room that you need to be. Like sometimes there are runs you need to go through to move up the ladder. Yeah, exactly. And I think, again, I think people tend to forget the size of the world that we live in. And you, you can't, you know, if you, if you try to be yourself or you just follow a moral code for everything, you're, you're going to struggle. You know, you're, you're going to struggle to grow because you're not going to be able to do, like, uh, the way I see it, no one's dying. No one's being put in a super negative position, what, what, you know what does it matter from you saying sense? you like golf no one's getting it yet yeah I exactly and i think that that the, that's the point and the unfortunate reality behind it that people don't understand is that when you start operating that way when you start factoring in human psychology and how people function and how they operate and adapting to how that how they operate to put yourself in a better position you will get put in better positions because that is what happened to me so i went through that two-year period of stagnation then I got basically three promotions all within the space of literally just over a year. And the income, the income that came with that was significantly more. You know, I went from a, went from a, just a normal position to a team leader position to a manager position to them creating a head of department position for me for that specific area because they wanted it to grow. 
I went from literally being on a desk every day to being flown to London to work, work with the, um, the office that's being set up there to work, flying to Cyprus. I never figured that I'd end up in Cyprus, but we needed to set up some stuff there, and I was there setting it up. And it was like, that's all because I started realizing that I'm playing the game now. You know, every time I go into a meeting, there's an outcome of the meeting that I'm expecting, and I will lay the groundwork to get that outcome. I already know that the job aspect, because I'm good at my job, but human psychology, I'm, I'm playing that game. You know, Reciprocation, I'm, I'm right? talking about golf three, four, five hours before the meeting. I'm talking with the right people, getting them on my side before we get into that meeting. What happens? The outcome that I want. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like, I mean, I've read a lot of those books that you've mentioned and there's a few other ones, but it's like you talked about marketing yourself and it's almost the same thing. Yeah, like marketing yourself and what you're doing is the exact same thing. You're creating a perception of who you need to be yeah and it's like you know there's that chair and there's this couch but the reality is is that they could be marketed in completely different ways to be completely different products and in those situations i think that's kind of what we're talking about here it's like you know imagine yourself as a product how do you communicate your identity based on the end goal and if that end goal is revenue and we're trying to sell as much revenue and we can correlate that to progress then you need to market yourself in a particular way and I actually really enjoy how you've taken those, like the 48 Laws of Power, it's a classic, you know, like it's literally, I mean, I've read that, um, Art of War, a lot of those books as well, but I've also read some other ones, like um, there's one called Alchemy hmm. um, by Rory Sutherland, he's a marketing guy, you know, there's a few other ones, um, Influenced by Dr. Geraldini or something like I'm that, sure, yeah. but he talks about things like reciprocation, right, and it's like when somebody buys you a birthday present, that is three times as much as anyone else's birthday present that they bought you or what you expected, the first thing that comes out of our mouth is, oh, you shouldn't have, mm. right? And it's like, I already feel like I owe you. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, but that's the game because like that's marketing 101. You know, we've all been to McDonald's and what's the best thing about McDonald's? The extra chips on the bottom of the fucking bag. That's not a coincidence, yeah? Why does that happen every time, right? Because it's reciprocation. Yeah, like we like naturally we 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 feel good. I don't know about you, bro, but whenever I get Maccas, I don't feel like I owe them anything. <laughs> well, you they, know, owe me, they owe me a new toilet. <laughs> it is that simple. <laughs> yeah, but it's funny because all this stuff happens on a subconscious level. Yeah, like you 100%. said it before, before you know, um, you know, these these guys, you were making all these moves, and and nobody had absolutely any idea, but subconsciously, you're just bringing them to you. Yeah, 100%. And it's it's when you bring that subconscious to the conscious and bring it forward and you start realizing, that's when you start making these moves. Like, it's just, you see so, I see so many people that are great and they're fantastic, but no one knows who they are. They, they haven't set up those relationships. They haven't put themselves in front of the right projects. They haven't put themselves as the person, even if they did all the work, so there's someone upstairs taking all the thing for it. And a lot of the times, and I think it comes down to those things where we just want to be liked as people, it's that whole, you know, these people People think that and this is something huge, especially pushed on social media, which just doesn't exist in the corporate world. And if you come into it with this mindset, you're going to get eaten alive. But the whole I'm my own competition, it's me versus me. It's like, no, it's you versus you. The further up the ladder you go, the less positions there are. There's only one CEO. If you think everyone's going to be CEO, no, that's that's the measuring stick. And that's what I mean. A lot of people don't want to jump in that competition. It's like... You know, when we used to hear people at work just saying, when we used to have competitions to try and get the higher sales and stuff, and people are like, oh, I'm just going to try and beat my last record. It's like, cool, you're not even part of the competition then. Like, well, I'm not even focusing on you. 
I'm focusing on what that guy is doing. That's um, what what is his point of difference and how can I take his point of difference? How can I find it, take it and refine it and make it my own and beat him at it? Yeah, and I think like that's all, like, I mean, from a business perspective, I think like the whole notion that there is no competition, like we're all in this together trying to push this forward. Like the reality is, man, like people are subconsciously making decisions every day for their own survival. Mm. Like there's people out there and you know what? The worst thing is, is like, they won't even admit it. Like, it's those people that won't admit it that say there is no competition. We're all on the same level. We're all doing this. It's like, no, fuck that. There is competition. There is warfare. That's the reality because, like you said, at the end of the day, you know, yes, the, the governments and the Fed will print money and they'll put more in, but the reality is is that there's a certain amount of money that exists in an economy and for someone to make money, someone else has to lose it. A hundred percent. And that's, that's the bottom line when it comes to business and competition because differentiation is what drives margin it's what drives revenue when something is different and it meets a certain psychological need that's when a product takes off well that's i actually want to i want to tie this back into something that we teach on product with three understanding three levels of product and we talk about it as a as a physical product that people can purchase or that people are providing value on but something that you said there josh is making your point of difference right you you as a person as the business owner can actually be your own product as well if you treat yourself like a product figure out your core figure out your actual product which is what you do and your augmented product is your point of difference you can fucking dominate you can be in a position where if you actually start to treat yourself as the owner as an actual product of your business because let's be honest people buy people right in any business whether it be product whether it be service like people buy people they need to know like and trust you and if you can start to understand the three levels of product that you can actually provide value on as a person, your core, so your values, how, you can, how can you provide, um, how can you express your values to people in your business? How can you can give them your actual time or your service or your product, which is the actual, um, the actual product, and then the augmentation? Well, people Point don't, of difference. People don't buy what you do, they buy how you do it. 100%. Mm. Right, and that's like the, that's the drive home factor, like, you know, value proposition, like that's born from differentiation. What can I do that my competitors cannot? And, and I think when you figure that out on an individual level, like that's where you can start to play that play chess, right? What can I do that my competition cannot, right? And that's where, you know, those, it's those little things like, you know, you talked about just getting in front of that person at the particular time, you know, um, you know, the CEO, making sure you're at the coffee shop when they're at the coffee shop, like all of these little different things that you can do, like putting yourself in situations when you know someone's going to be there. Yeah. We all fucking remember this, man. This is grade six high school shit. When I liked, you know, Sally across the road, I made sure that there was, you know, at school disco, I was dancing in her corner. Yeah, and that's, this is ingrained into us instinctively, right? But I feel like a lot of people lose this as they get a little bit older because they're playing that moral game. Well, you, bro, just to second that, you look at when you were in primary school, high school, when you first started talking to girls, who'd you talk to first? If it was the person that you liked, would you be talking to them? No, you'd be like, talking to their best friend. You'd be talking to the friend. Oh, can you, can you, Yeah. <laughs> bro, I used to do that all the time. Bro, I was the king. <laughs> oh man, he, he knew the way. He knew the way. Now it's it's true though, and it's funny because <clears throat> same kind of thing again transitions in corporate life. Um, people don't understand the opportunities that are in front of them because their morals or how they interact. You know, we care a bit too much about how people perceive us, and often it can get in the way because we don't want to not only not stand out but we don't seize an opportunity. Best example of this is when you're in big icebreakers, right? Um, I remember the last one that I was in, it was quite funny. Big icebreaker opportunity. We had a new person that was coming on board in the management. 
And so they did the typical round table. Tell us, you know, tell them who you are, give them your name, and um, tell them a bit about yourself. Everyone messes this up. Everyone comes in and they'll be like, hi, I'm John. I work in accounts and um, I like to play golf in the, in the weekends. And then someone will come along and be like, hi, I'm... Um, my name is Michael, you know, I, I love to play, I work in um, the IT section, I love to play video games. And every time these opportunities came, I always thought, this is your opportunity to push that brand over. So whenever I came up, I'd be like, hi, my name is Josh, um, I work on projects here, I like to consider myself reliable, I try to get everything that we can across the line in the company, so I try to put my hand out there whenever anyone needs it. So with that being said, if you ever find yourself in a situation where you don't know if you can get something over the line, just come to me and I'll see if I can help. All of a sudden, he knows what I'm about, and that person knows, man, like, you know, if I need something to get done, Josh is the person. I haven't told them anything about who I am. I don't want him to like me. I want him to see me as value. I want him to look at me I want and him go, to use me. Yeah, use me, because, you know, we can get ahead. If you put something in front of me and I can put it in front of the right people because I've marketed to the right people, I'll, I'll look great. You'll look great. We'll both look great. We'll get more money. Simple as that. And that's what I mean. People just miss these things because they're not thinking about it or they're thinking too much about themselves. It's, yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. Like, you know, um, I look at this from a tech business perspective or even just networks, right? Like networks is how we build wealth. You know, that's the reality. Um, we look at the value of a network and then we enter ourselves into that network and uh, we work together in a tribe to create more wealth. Mm. That's what a business is. That's what, um, you know, when we invest in a company, that's when we invest in Bitcoin. You know, there's a lot of us trying to get that over the line, right? We're, we're getting a network in order to build wealth. There's a reason that every single one of us will brag about something that we're in. And it's because we want to get more people into the network because we, we know that we can make it more valuable. But whichever network you're in, like, this is the whole thing. It's like, if I want to get into this network, like if I walk into a room of CEOs and I'm like, I want to hang out with these guys because they're fucking loaded. They're successful. They crush it they execute i can't walk in there and be myself <laughs> like are you fucking kidding like you're i'm not gonna, gonna be you're not gonna be going in there shadow boxing <laughs> yeah like you know but that doesn't and like you said like you know when i'm around my homies and and like my family and like my friends like yeah i'm gonna be someone who's different but when i'm in a certain situation like you know in order to get this person to respect me i'm gonna have to be a i'm gonna have to be someone mm. you know like I, i'll give you an example i went over to america and I caught up, I knew this, was like, so this is the whole thing, like playing chess, right? Um, there's a guy over there named Brandon Ayambadejo. Um, He's now probably one of my biggest mentors. Like, I get to, like, we have conversations all the time. He's always giving me advice. When he comes down to Australia, we go out for dinner. When I go over there, this guy is ex-pro bowler in the NFL, won a Super Bowl ring, then left that, studied an MBA, um, then started a company, really successful, one of the fastest growing franchises in America, S owned all of Bay Area and LA. Uh, and like, like, I just remember getting an email knowing that I had the opportunity to talk to this guy and it's like everything changed. It was like, I gotta go in there and I gotta show that I can be of value. Um, <coughs> and I showed that value and, and that's kind of what got me that relationship. And then there's been times where I've been able to, there's advice that he's given me that will sit with me for the rest of my life that changed the trajectory trajectory of my career, my business and my life. And I think that in itself is like, you know, you gotta understand that when you get those opportunities, you have to step up to the plate. 
and you have to be willing to make those changes. Yeah, exactly. And you've got to be conscious of it. You've got to understand that you, you need to be what you need to be in that scenario. Again, you, you can be yourself in front of the people that matter to you. But when it comes to certain, when it comes to actually trying to get somewhere, you've got to be what the situation requires you to be. You know, and again, at the end of the day, like like I said, we're we're all selfish at the end of the day. We just don't want to admit it to ourselves. That's the fucking drive home point. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Why is you know if you and and it's it's real funny because like a lot of people, like you said, a lot of people can look at it like manipulation. They can look at it from a negative perspective, and it's like, but that's going to be in you from a selfish perspective. So one thing I was thinking about today about that because I was talking with a friend about it was. Um, at the end of the day, we've all got a bit of ugly in us, right? Rather than trying to do your absolute best to get rid of it, find out a way that you can use it in the right places. And if you use that ugly in the right places, use the rest of the positive aspects about you to people that matter. But at least you're not trying to fight your, the conflict within yourself. Use it. It's there. You know, you're going to want something. You're going to want to get ahead of some people sometimes. You can't keep pushing that narrative of, oh, it's just me versus me. You get angry when you don't come first. Well, that's ingrained into us as a society, man. You look at a kid, right? You look at you look at a child, man. They put the circle peg in the circle hole. What do they do? They get it. Fu- they fucking get excited, right? Winning is ingrained into us, and it's normal. And then it gets bred out, right? And then we start to feel guilty and self-conscious when we start to f- celebrate small wins or things when we get ahead or when, like you said, for someone to make money, someone else has to lose it, right? For someone to win, someone has to lose, right? Now. People are so busy winning and they're getting fucking pissed off. They're like, oh, no, I feel bad. I don't want to celebrate it. You know, I just got lucky. Own it. Sometimes you fucking, you put the work and you did the thing. Yeah, I mean, there's no such thing as morality if there's only good in the world, right? I think there's a monster inside of all of us. And I think morality only exists when you learn how to control that monster. Mm. And when you learn how to control that monster, that's when you can use it to, you know, um, propel and and achieve things in life that are going to push the world forward. Yeah, exactly. And I think, funnily enough, I feel like it's more arrogant to ignore the competition. You know, it, it depends on how, like, at the end of the day, a competition is a competition. It says more about you, about how you handle when you win or lose. You know, I love competing. I'm hugely competitive in nature. And I readily admit, if someone beats me, I'm proud to say, you beat me my best. You know, I acknowledge that. And that means I've got things to work on. And if I win, I'm like, cool, fantastic. You know, great, great run. We keep it moving. But well, but nothing worse than you know, bo- like bodybuilding competitions. I mean, come on! Every time someone goes to a bodybuilding competition, all they say afterwards is like, "Oh, you know, I beat I the last person." Yeah. Or won. no, worse, they just say, "Oh, you know, I was just going up there because it was a personal achievement." It's like, then why were you doing it? <laughs> why were you getting on stage if you weren't competing? You're almost insulting the person that won by saying, "No, I was just doing it for myself anyway." So you're saying that because you didn't win. Just ag- admit that you took a loss. There was a lot to learn from in that scenario, and just keep it moving. Dude, if you see it, you see it all the time where people, like, oh no, I just want to, just want to tick it off, just want to tick it off. Like, well, we need to fucking win. Like, why go to that point? Because competing ain't fun. Yeah. It fucking ain't fun. It sucks. Why go to that level if you're just trying to tick a box? But more th- anyway, back to the point because I could rabble on about. Don't get me started on competing. I'll go there forever. Um, so you, you did well. I want to come back. I mean, I want to come back to it. There's, there's something I want to really talk about. And I think it's Shoot. like, what are some of those principles, right? Yep. Like, because you talked about, like, there's cer- I can see there's a, certain, there's a certain style, there's a certain set of principles that you go by um, and that you would also teach. Like, what, when it comes down to it at the core, what are some of the, the most important principles, you know, that you would uh, implement That got you yourself? to where you were? Yeah. That got you to escalate and move through the company at the, f- at the pace you did and obviously to now what you do now it's it, it 
like the way I always summarize it up, and I know it's a really weird way of saying it, but you've just got to be, you've got to understand, you've got to be inherently savage to an extent. You know, you've got to understand, you've got to take emotion out of certain things. You know, don't don't be don't be led by emotion. Be led by rationale. Be led by logic. You know, be be. What got me to where it got me is to understand that I'm playing that game. You know, playing chess. One of the big principles is treat life like a game of chess. Treat your work like a game of chess. Treat, treat everything that you're doing like a game of chess. Think four or five different moves ahead, and take that emotion out of it. Be be savage. Be ruthless with it, because ultimately, at the end of the day, again, we're 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 not going to be here forever, so you might as well take advantage of the opportunities you have in front of you and work, do whatever you need to do to get to the end of that goal. So that's kind of how, what I push to my um, students as well, same thing. Everyone I mentor, all of my clients, just take emotion out of it. You're here, you're here to get ahead and acknowledge that, and there is nothing wrong with that. So when you bring someone into a room and you, or you get on a mentoring call, like, what are the generally the problems you're facing? Like, what are the things that you're seeing come, come up? Because I know there is a big difference between corporate and running a small business. Um, but I think there's going to be crossover principles to the problems that they come across. The The biggest thing that my clients struggle with, again, is they're very, very good at their jobs. No one's no one's denying that. They're, they're great at what they do. But what they don't understand is they don't know how to communicate with people. They don't understand human psychology. They don't understand how to maneuver through egos, especially. They don't understand how to play to different people. And that's why they're not getting the opportunities that they're getting because they're just doing their work and expecting a gold star and expecting to get somewhere. It's like arguing with someone, right? It's like sometimes arguing, like you've got to understand that if you actually want what you want out of a situation, arguing is not the best way to go about it. Even if you disagree with someone, you disagree with what they're saying, you have to understand that if you argue with them, like there's a high chance that there's not going to be resolved. And then you might not be able to get what you want out of that situation. But you both think you're right at the end of the day. That's the thing. Like, man, I say, I say to Ali all the time. It's like, we <laughs> argue. We no, but like at the end of the day, bro, it's the same in business. If you, you can sit there and argue about something, but if you can actually take a step back and go, we actually both think we're right now. It doesn't fucking matter who is. We both think we're right. Let's just figure out the problem, like to move forward, right? Because sitting here going about who's right or wrong doesn't actually help the fucking problem. It's like, what's the pathway forward? Yeah, I agree. And it's really, it's, it, again, it's taking that ego and taking that pride out of it. Like there's been multiple times, and you don't understand how powerful this is. When you do certain moves that just impact everything greatly. Um, I was huge about listening to everyone in the room because I know, I know what I know, but I don't know what everyone else knows. And I'm open to that in the sense that my manager, me, me and my old manager, we hated each other. He hated the way that I operated and moved around him. But then we ended up having to work together on a few things. And every time he would say an idea, so we'd have conflicting ideas, I was took. I just started taking pride. I don't care. Like, I don't have pride. I don't have ego, nothing like that. If I said, this is, here's how we should do it. And he goes, here's, here's how I think we should do it. And that's a better way. I'd say, yeah, that's a better way. Let's do it that way. And he'd be like, wait, what do you mean? And I'm like, your way is better than mine. Like, let's do it. And he'd be like, oh, man, I just didn't anticipate you to do that. It's, that's a power move in itself. You're completely throwing them off. It's like, your idea's better. You know, we want to get it across the board. At the end of the day, I don't want to sit here arguing unnecessarily. And we now, and now f to what Kyle said before, he owes you. Yeah, well, that's it. And, you know, it's like we can bring emotion into this. We can get it over the line. And then, yeah, you know, now it's in my pocket. Now all of a sudden he's like, oh, it does it. it's not as bad. It's the same thing as arguing. You know, like p the way to control an argument is pretty, if voices start being raised, is don't match. 
you know, if someone's if someone's shouting at you, just keep that tone. Eventually, they'll realize that they're just shouting at themselves. And then they'll calm down. My old manager used to do it all the time. He goes, I think that's a really dumb idea. I think you're just trying to blah, blah, blah. And I'll be like, well, why do you think that? Because blah, blah, blah. Okay, I understand that. But where do you want to go with it? Oh, why am I still yelling? You know, he'd go, oh, yeah. And then he'd apologize at the end. And it's like, oh, there you go. You lost again. You know, again, still playing the game in my head. Every single time I do something, I'm still playing the game. For sure. So now, obviously, you've moved from fitness industry finance industry now into the mentoring space what was that transition where did you get how did you get there so I, again off the back of off the back of everything that i was doing at work obviously a big part of my work was being able to understand how to trade how to how to invest properly and that's what i started doing started doing quite heavily for myself and i'm willing to admit that i got kind of lucky you know covid really hit the market quite hard so there was a lot of opportunities to buy because of my experience in certain fields in certain areas i knew what to buy at the time and it bought the dip yeah, bought the dip and it put me in a decent financial position and that told, that gave me an opportunity to get out of full-time work. So I said, okay, now's the time that I want to get out of full-time work and start exploring creative opportunities, like things that I wanted to do, like mentor other people. Because again, this just, what one thing that I had did that I didn't really touch on is promotions within the company. And the people that were underneath me, I had so many promotions happen underneath me and it was because I was teaching everybody. So I started at the team leader position. Then... Everyone that was under me, once I got promoted, they all got promoted up as well. Then we had a whole bunch of other staff down. And it was because they were just following the lines that I was following. I was just saying, this is what you should do. Build these relationships properly. Put your idea out there. Execute your idea. And because of the relationship you've built, it'd be exaggerated. Your, your success will be exaggerated because everyone loves you. And I realized that it was really easy. That I should teach this to people. And that's what I've been teaching them. I've been teaching them. I can't teach you your job. You've got to be good at your job. It's just a part of life. But what I can teach you is how to get people on your side, get a project underway, and get maximum return on that. And by maximum return, we're talking about money. Get promotions. Get get more money in your pocket. Bro, I want to ask a question because it fucking confuses me every time you post it. What the hell is a dub? A dub is a w. Dub is a win. So I, win. Just, I say Thank dub you. all the time. Man, like it's, I, I what's just, this guy dude, been doing his whole life? Dude, I cheat <laughs> not like 10 times a day. He's like another dub. And I'm like... The fuck is going on? It's what's just he, what's a dub? <laughs> it's dude, you've definitely been living under a rock. Clearly, <laughs> that is common knowledge. Yeah, dub. Like I, you know, I I live by that. You know, I I consider myself. Well, um, I consider myself not someone that's driven by passion or motivation, but driven by consistency and discipline. So I'm very big on ticking boxes, and every box that I tick is a dub. You know, I wake up in the morning. I wake up consistently, 4 a.m. like clockwork. Get my running get my training in, tick it off, and I acknowledge it. You know, again, people don't like sharing that they're ticking things off it's like important show you the momentum and you know a lot of people message me back saying man i'm getting up at four because of you now like i'm running and i'm ticking it off and i'm acknowledging that i'm ticking it off making those small wins because those small wins lead to the big wins mm. same thing in corporate life if you just keep ticking boxes keep building reputation keep building relationships keep ticking small projects off then you get a big project it becomes exaggerated because of the environment you've built around it all of a sudden you're getting paid way more because of it it's funny man like i i'm <laughs> Like, I've had a cold shower every day for, like, the last four years. Still doing it. Man, I, it's just the same thing, man. It's like, if I like I know that no matter what my problems are that day, right, no matter how stressful I'm about to walk in, you know, no matter what stress I'm about to walk into, I know at the end of the day, if I wake up, I get up at the time I said I was going to wake up, I have a cold shower, I meditate. These are my little dubs, right? These are my little wins. And I know at the end of the day, I can tackle anything that day. It's not about anyone else. It's not about 
Macho Man, Randy Savage, I had a cold shower today. It's more about going in my head. I understand that there's these little things I need to do throughout in my morning to make sure that I understand I'm going to win. A hundred percent. And it's just funny because, like I said, it, it compounds and you don't realize how much it compounds. Like you like, like, here's an example. Make my bed. That's one tick. Go for a run. Another tick. Do my workout. Do my first meeting. Do my second meeting. Open up the international office. If I just started at my day saying, okay, I've got to do the international office, I've got no momentum built behind me, but I've been winning all day. So by the time that it comes to tick that box, I'm already just in a mindset where it's like, this is going to be easy. That's why I love training in the morning. I train in the morning because I'm like, seriously, nothing can be harder than what I just put me myself through physically. And that just, I go, the rest of the day is downhill from here. It's really easy. So looking at like, looking at from going from the corporate world to, you've obviously, you've, um, we didn't touch on it, but you've owned small businesses in the past before. Like, where do you see the crossover of the lessons that you can take from human psychology, understanding people and, you know, playing the game of chess? How do you see that crossover into a small business? Like, or do you feel like it's completely separate? No, I think it, it does. And I think it's, it, depending on the business type, but let's just say you're into, um, what's, a, what's a good business that will transition over to this? Your consulting, for example, right? Uh, one of the big things with human psychology is understanding your clients, understanding what makes them tick. Understanding how to build that reputation with them so that you get, you generate that referral business. A lot of it's not just completing your work. A lot of it is how you've made them feel along that journey. You've played into their ego. You know, you've understood what they like. Taking them for a game of golf. You hate golf, but again, they love golf and they'll remember you for that. So when the time comes to go, hey, what do you, you know, do you know anything about Reese? And he's like, yeah, he's a lovely guy. Go and do work with him. It did not just come from the fact you completed the work, but it's because he's got fond memories of you. The reality is, like we talked about it before, but it's perception, right? And and that's like the, the thing at the core of absolutely every decision made is psychology. And you said it before, it's like it has nothing to do with, um, like the reality is people are going to feel a certain way about something. And, and this is that book called Alchemy, right? He talks about it. He's like, he goes like, there's the logical way to do things, but then there's also human psychology over here. And we, sometimes we don't make decisions logically as humans, but he's talking about it more from, you can use that, right, in that game of chess. And I think like more so it's thinking of it like, okay, well, at the end of the day, I've got a decision to make right now. And that decision is I can either look at human psychology and absolutely everything I do, right? Or I can just kind of keep dwindling through life, hmm. right? And I think like when you put human psychology at the absolute core of everything, we purchase based on psychology. Yeah, we, we choose our partner based on psychology. And it's all about the way we make it. Uh, uh, that person, that product, that experience makes us feel. And we, that you could have a really sound product. Like I, we could be the, the best coaches in the world. But if I don't reach out to that person enough times a week, they're not going to feel like I'm supporting them. And that's going to change the whole experience. You can never... You could eat the, you could go to a, the, the best pasta shop in the world and it could be the most tastiest pasta in the world. But if the place smells like sewerage, it's not going to be a good meal. Yeah, 100%. That's exactly. Yeah. And that's like, I mean, that's, that's that he, you know, Rory Sutherland, alchemy. He talks about it. He's like, reality is it's not as black and white as what we look. And if you can look, if you can read between the lines, you can start to use those to get yourself progress. Uh, and I think 
I mean, from what you've said, it's uh, the, the crossover is human psychology. Yeah, like that's that's something that's ingrained into absolutely everything: business, corporate world, everything. Th- those principles of psychology don't change. Yeah, hundred percent. And you just look throughout history. You know, you look at all the people that did things in history. You see that they managed to get people on their side. You know, it's it's wild. I'm I'm a huge history buff. Like Alexander the Great, for example, someone who like conquered like African continent or all of the Middle East by the time he was like thirty one. And it's you know it's because he understood how to get people and drive people into backing him. Mm. So it's it's that thing. You know, at the end of the day, if you can understand people, you you can do what do what you will with it. Hundred percent. All right, man. We're gonna wrap it up. I want to say a big thanks for coming on. Very interesting conversation. Um, a lot of value there. Um, but most of all, man, power to you. Keep crushing it. Keep keep playing the game. And for everyone out there listening, make sure you start playing the fucking game. Play the to, game. to finish off as well, one thing that we have been asking all of our guests mm-hmm. is who should we get on next? There's a person that I have in mind that I'd, I think would be really good for you guys. Um, uh, a, a friend of mine, Sam, I'm going to see if I can get him on board. He runs his own company. He's don't want to talk for him, but very, very successful person. And I think that he'd, hopefully if he comes, yeah, he'd do a lot. There's a Ferrari over there, so he might be able to compare his Ferraris to that Ferrari. They <laughs> might pull him in here. Might try to get him in based on that. Awesome. But yeah, I'll talk to you guys a bit more about that for sure. Awesome, awesome man. Well, Thank again, you for coming on. And uh, it's been a very good, pivotal conversation. A little plug. I Cheeky the, plug. The uh, last thing I want to say, this is chess. It ain't checkers. No. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the one. I say that so much too. That's so true. But yeah, big thanks for coming on, brother. I really appreciate it. And uh, we hope you all enjoyed the episode. Thank you.